Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Welcome, dear friends. You know, Larry and I spent a lot of time talking about uh, theater, drama, and acting, but we we didn't really get into the philosophy, your philosophy of acting. So a follow-up question, something that was uh, dangling, and I thought we'd bring it up. Your thought, and you tell me what you think, that acting is central in the history of mankind. Pretty broad statement, but let's (laughs) dig into that. Well, you know something, um, uh, Jordan, Uh, the last time when we finished, uh, we were talking about acting, and that was something you brought into the conversation, and I had no idea it was coming, so that uh, I really hadn't uh, uh, thought about it that much, and uh, I was never an actor, as we discussed last time, in the sense of a stage actor, but an actor maybe like we're doing this podcast. So then after the last time we got together, which was like two or three weeks ago, I really started thinking about acting and what is acting. And all sorts of thoughts came into my mind. And uh, Shakespeare uh, kept rattling around because he, because he of his statement uh, in one of his plays that uh, all the world's a stage and the people in it, actors and so forth. So I, I really began to think about it. So the question you just uh, started off with, uh, acting is central in the history of mankind, plays into the theory I have about acting, which is not original with me, and I don't even think it was original with Shakespeare, but only Shakespeare could have given it the verbiage or the poetical expression that he gave it that makes it stick in the mind so well. And his idea, his idea or the idea that he picked up and uh, wrote about is that we're all actors and we're, we're all on a stage and uh, every person in the world is an actor. And uh, actors on a stage are something else uh, because they're you know doing lines from somebody else uh, who's written them. But the course of acting is a great art. And um, so to start off with why I think it's central in the history of mankind, if you believe that uh, everybody's an actor, then uh, Hitler was an actor. Uh, you know, so, uh, me, people who stood for good. FDR was an actor because he was able to rally the Americans. Mm. Uh, Churchill was an actor because he was the only person. He had faults, certainly, but he certainly rallied the English in 1940 so that they could uh, gather together and say, not us, you're not going to come on our island and take our island away, and you're not going to bomb us into submission, and uh, screw you, Mr. Hitler. And it worked. And uh, that's acting. So it is central, if you take this view, in the Mm -hmm. history of mankind. And it might leave you thinking, well, do we need actors? Why do we need actors? We're all (laughs) actors, if you believe that. Uh, And, um, you know, the second question that you might ask in this as a preliminary is, what do you mean by offstage acting? Um, I think offstage acting is what we all do. Why do I believe that? Well, I think lying is something that is central to mankind. Everybody lies. Everybody tells themselves untruths about themselves. Uh, Not everybody, but most people don't really know who the hell they are, and most people don't act out who they really are, Mm. they're really acting out a picture of what they think other people want. Wearing a mask. Right. Absolutely wearing a mask. So that offstage acting is what we all do, and it's born of insecurity. Uh, It causes a lot of trouble. 
Uh, and if, uh, on the other hand, you have to wonder what the world would be like if everybody said what they thought and they weren't acting. But, you know, there are people who have an element of, well, I don't know what you would call it, confidence in what they do. They're unafraid and they do less acting than other people. But everybody acts. I mean, if we all, I mean, we lie all the time. And uh, so I think that offstage acting is uh, how we live. That's mm. how the world goes round. Let me, uh, let me, so go ahead. Just, me. just going to interject here. You, you being an attorney for most of your adult life. I mean, if there isn't a better example of theatrical presentation when you're trying to either defend or prosecute. Yeah, absolutely. The the one thing you have to watch out for in a situation like that is you don't want to get in the way of your client's case, and you don't want to. It shouldn't be I, I, me, me, and I'm acting, and look at me, and what a great actor I am. On the other hand, if you have some talent for expression and you have some talent for persuasion, you want to use that in your client's uh, defense or whatever it is you're doing for your client because, you know, judges are human beings, and I've seen it many times. They have one point of view about the case, and if you, if you go along with that point of view, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, if you... Um, you can't really fight a judge in the sense of fight, but you certainly can use your persuasive abilities. And I've seen judges turn around based on the oral arguments of, uh, of lawyers. There's no question about that. So that, um, yes, I think lawyers uh, do that all the time. What do you think about uh, those in, in the world around us who are acting the stereotype? In other words, uh, the boss who acts like a hard nosed boss who doesn't give an inch or the teacher who acts in a certain way or any any profession that there's a certain mold that people sort of find themselves in and they may not even know it consciously but they're acting in that way do you agree with that yeah i agree with that because i think if they if they were not acting and and going along with who they really are instead of being nasty in certain situations they might be nice and uh, you know a teacher who a teacher who somehow, well, we talked about Mr. Taylor, my uh, my principal at uh, Devotion School, mm-hmm. who came out one day to the ball field and whacked a line drive that felled me. <laughs> um, he was a guy that uh, drew your respect and love because you just knew that he really cared about you. Unlike Miss Greenshields that I talked about, that I didn't know until she was gone how much she cared from mm-hmm. her words mm-hmm. and from her picture and what she looked like. Um, so that I think the stronger sense of self that a person has, they're more likely to be what they really are. Well, as a, a amateur actor, and I've done many, many theatrical productions, one of the first things you do is either write it out or discuss a character study. Who are you? And that's something, as you alluded to, that people, many don't ever do in their lives. They don't really go in, go deep, go introspective. No, a lot of people are not introspective. They really don't want to know the truth about themselves. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think I can face the truth about myself. I mean, I have no hesitation in saying that I can be tough to deal with because I have my own ideas and I want to carry them out, but you have to respect other people. Just like a project that you and I are working on apart from this, Jordan, where I had to lay back because even though I thought my ideas were the correct ones, they weren't going to fly. Other people had certain ideas. They had more control over the project than I did, so it was just easier to lay back. But uh, indeed, um, I think that uh, people often 
and not themselves. And, well, uh, to stay with the acting theme for a bit longer, because I, I love this, and one of the first things you learn as an actor is to be a reactor, to react, right? And and that's kind of what you're focusing on now, uh, how you react to situations. And you've had a an illustrious, amazing life, as we're finding out. You've noticed over the years, I guess, that you've changed the way you react and the way you counter uh, individuals or situations or what? Well, yeah, I think that as you get older, you you um, you know what's liable to be non-productive and you know what's liable to be productive in dealing with people. And uh, as I've said elsewhere, I want to respect all people. Um, all, each and every person deserves one's respect. And um, I think um, as you grow older, maturation is one of the uh, things I mentioned in my memoir as one of the main strands along with friendship and uh, inquisitiveness. And if maturation means anything, it means the ability to modify your conduct so that um, not only can you achieve the goals that you have, but also to get along with people in a better way because, uh, you know, as you and I have found, Jordan, and, you know, you and I are simpatico because we have a lot of the simpler, similar ideas, um, everybody has a story and everybody can – you can learn something from everybody. Mm. Well, there's also the idea of the monologue versus dialogue. I mean, there are some people who just want to hear themselves speak and they don't really have time to listen or feel they have time to listen or maybe it doesn't even matter what the other party is saying. Yeah, I think it really matters a lot because, uh, you know, even in these interviews, Jordan, um, you, you, um, you make it easy to uh, – to bring certain things out, like acting. I didn't think that was going to come up last time. And you are a man who knows a lot about a lot of things so that you have ideas when I'm speaking, you're developing an idea in your mind that I might not be thinking about, and you bring it up in a question. And that makes all the difference, I mean, because I say to myself, who that's a good question, I think. Uh, let's get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I have a fondness for theater and film and all that. Uh, so let's have a little fun. Uh, who's your favorite film actor or top three? Do you have three or so? Well, I go back a long time. And, I, you know, the, the old stars of Hollywood I loved. I mean, guys like uh, Cary Grant and Spencer Tracy and Gregory Peck and uh, Humphrey Bogart. And all of those guys made a big impression on me. I think of, as far as current people are concerned, I think Denzel Washington is an amazing mm. actor. I also think that uh, Russell Crowe is an amazing actor. I mean, I figure that anything that Russell Crowe is in, anything that Denzel Washington is in, is liable to be good because they both can play anything. I mean, whether it's a s submarine captain or, yeah, a, yeah. or a train engineer or uh, Russell Crowe, a master and commander, or wasn't he wonderful as a gladiator? I mean, my God. And I think, uh, uh, you know, I think that um, uh, that guy that's so popular, uh, who did Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks is a, a really excellent actor at his craft. Uh, so he's a favorite as well. Um, and when it comes to movies, uh, I tend to stand away from what I consider to be you know, sensational stuff, uh, a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, special effects and uh, mm. the world falling down and buildings falling down. I like pictures about people. 
Well, I'm so glad you mentioned one name, and then we can move on. But the one name you mentioned is Spencer Tracy. And of all the actors in Hollywood, uh, I think he had the most natural ability to just blend in and become the person, very relaxed. And his famous quote was, Spencer Tracy, tell us about your philosophy of acting. He says, it's simple. Learn your lines and don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> well, you know, Spencer Tracy played a – he really played a variety of roles. Um, he, look, I mean, he was uh, this Portuguese seaman in uh, old man Captain's in the Courageous. And, oh, I thought you meant Old Man in the Sea. That was another well, the one. the Old Man in the Sea played that one. He played Western uh, heroes. Uh, he also uh, was uh, – he and, and Clark Gable faced off against each other in a number of movies in the oil business and uh, – and I, though Spencer Tracy was a man for all seasons, and besides, he, you know, he drank too much. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, he was a <laughs> terrific guy. And um, I think that uh, another one was, uh, well, Henry Fonda was a terrific actor. Very, you're, you're sort of highlighting the, uh, the, the essence of the American male on screen, uh, Tom Hanks, Gary Cooper. Oh, Gary Cooper uh, was another one. Yeah, he see? was terrific. And uh, the the other person I was just thinking of uh, was uh, yes, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I knew that was coming next. I just knew you were going to say Jimmy Stewart <laughs> because it is a wonderful life, Larry, isn't it? Oh, and Jimmy Stewart, you know, he was a true life hero. Some of these guys were true life heroes. Oh, another one is. Uh, uh, the guy that was on the marijuana judge when he was young. Robert Mitchum. Yeah, he's a great actor. Fantastic. Well, you've mentioned some of my favorites, too, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners to the podcast are agreeing. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, these guys were, uh, they were very masculine and believable in hero roles. And And I think that's a key connection to this whole thing. They were believable because there was a sense of authenticity in what they were doing. But look at Jimmy Stewart. He became a general in the Air Force. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about Republicans these days, there are Trump Republicans and there are Republicans. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a Republican. I mean, it's a perfectly, uh, you know, I'm, I may be a Democrat, but, you know, Republicans uh, like uh, Abraham Lincoln and uh, other Republicans in our own time who were great people who believed in the individual's ability to realize his best talents and so forth and to uh, be free and have his own choices, not have government make choices for them. It's all arguable, but um, I think that um, a lot of these stars we're talking about were Republicans, and a lot of them came up, bring, you know, they came up by their bootstraps yeah. from nothing to be Hollywood stars. So wouldn't they think that... That's the way to be? Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, we've got a lot to talk about in upcoming episodes, uh, and a lot of it has to do with another form of art that's your fave, and that's writing. So let's return to what we started to talk about, a more grand philosophical look at what it is to be a, a human being and an actor in a human society. Well, I think it's a great thing to be an actor, so where I'm going to lead us, and uh, hopefully in a couple of minutes, as to why actors are so necessary. Um, acting defined narrowly, obviously, is acting on the stage. Defined broadly, I just gave it to you. Every person in the world's an actor. So we could defined broadly, we can say that all of life is a play. And um, so um, and I think it's worth quoting, not the whole speech um, that uh, about acting that Shakespeare wrote in his play, As You Like It, which is called the... Seven Ages of Man, 
But a few of those lines are very, very appropriate for this. And he said, <clears throat> and I'm quoting now, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They all have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. At first, the infant mewling and puking in the nurse's arms. Then, the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like snail, unwillingly to school. And then the lover, sighing like furnace, with a woeful ballad made to his mistress's eyebrow. And then he goes on to talk about a soldier and a, uh, a judge, people like that. And then he comes to the last scene of all, which he calls the last scene of all. Could apply to me. I hope not. Um, last scene of all that ends this strange, eventful history is second childishness and mere oblivion, sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything from Act 2, Scene 7 of As You Like It. Well, that's pretty illuminating uh, because um, it tells you uh, how people are actors. And um, so one might ask, uh, what do we need actors for? They're just like the rest of us. <laughs> so um, I asked myself this question. This is all since we spoke the last time, Jordan. I'm saying to myself, what is this acting stuff all okay. about? So I, And, you know, I sort of came to this notion myself, even though it had occurred to people over the centuries, um, just from you spurring me into thinking about it. Um, absolutely not, because actors, and when I say actors, I'm thinking of everybody behind the actors, the librettists, the playwrights, mm. the scene director, the director of the play, uh, the singers, the dancers, uh, all the people who bring musicals, operas, and performances of all descriptions to us. And what are they doing, these actors? They're holding a mirror up to us, Jordan, and they're saying... This is who you are. This is the truth of the human, human condition. Not what you think it is, but what it really is. And that's only possible to get across, uh, only affecting, only effective, if done by people possessing the highest order of artistic ability. And that's what an actor is, somebody among all those other people who is able to show us in a convincing way that that's who you are. So, and here are some examples of that ability and talent drawn from the theaters of plays and opera. Shakespeare was the master who expanded our ideas about ourselves, especially in the ones about individuals like Hamlet, King Lear, Othello, and Macbeth. And the same thing with Mozart and Verdi. Um, if you take Mozart's Marriage of Figaro or the Magic Flute, Practically every relationship known to mankind in their mm. twists and turns comes under the master's microscope, just as Verdi later did in uh, following uh, Shakespeare in Othello and Falstaff. In fact, you know, I don't know whether you've ever read this, Jordan, but uh, Shakespeare, Mozart, and Verdi have been called the three greatest dramatists in history, and I believe it. Um, so you used the word reactors before. I don't know whether you did it from reading any of my notes. No, no, I, I just, uh, you know, from my own personal experience. Go ahead. Well, so my final note to myself is so perhaps actors in their cohorts, all those other people I mentioned, 
in the, in the way they are described uh, here, of that I just described, might better be called reactors. Active. And why? Because reacting to the acting all around them, what they do elucidates the truth of what Shakespeare so colorfully and knowingly opined, namely that all's the world, all the world's a stage and everybody in it is an actor. That's right. Well, I, I just wanted to let the folks know we're not acting with any kind of script here. I had no idea you were going to wrap it up with the reactors, but it makes perfect sense to me, and I know a lot of our of our listeners. And uh, you got to give credit to the Bard. Not only did he have such wisdom, but he also made up about 9,000 words that we use every day. You know, Jordan, you know, Shakespeare, you know, he's an example of people that come from practically no place that becomes so great. I mean, it came from a little town, uh, wherever it was. Stratford-Avon. Yeah, Stratford-Avon, a couple of, maybe 150 or 200 miles from London. And uh, he comes down to London, and he spends about 20 years there, writes, I don't know how many lots of plays and acts in them and so forth, and then goes back uh, when he's through to Stratford, spends six or eight years there and dies in, uh, I think, uh, was uh, 1615. So that uh, like 400 years ago. And, you know, so a lot of people who become really great come from no place. They don't necessarily come from the big cities, the sophisticated cities. I mean, we can take a, an example from local, from uh, TV in the last several years, um, uh, Johnny Carson. Oh, yeah. Now, he come from, came from a little town in uh, the wilds of Nebraska. Right, near Omaha. Now, did anybody ever project the smoothness and knowledge and naturalness. What made Johnny Carson so popular? Well, he understood people and he could relate to people so easily so that he's just one example. I mean, we have lots of people that uh, that came from no place. Look, Lincoln came from the wilds of uh, where Illinois or Kentucky. Harry Truman, another Harry, example. Look, ha- nobody, nobody gave Harry Truman a chance to be anything. And he was one of the great presidents. And FDR didn't let him in on anything. That's right. I mean, you had to find out from other people after FDR died all about the project to develop the atomic bomb. So I just think it's, uh, hey, listen, you came from a little town. (laughs) I came from a little town. Uh, You came from a slightly bigger town. But uh, uh, it's fascinating, Larry. And uh, thanks for sharing. I I particularly love this topic. And uh, you you came up with some brilliant views that I think are very well-founded. Well, yeah, let me ask you, do you agree with that point of view? I do. I do agree that, uh, particularly when we talked about stereotypes and people's thought process and how they should act based on what they see around them, and a lot of it is based on what they see on a screen or on a stage. I think of Willie Loman and the great death of a salesman. That was us up there, so many people. That's why we relate to Arthur Miller. You know, when I, well, yeah, Arthur Miller was fantastic. He was smart enough to marry Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> yes. um, you know, I would, <laughs> I, would say that, um, I, I, I would say that when it comes to uh, acting, um, many parts are interpreted differently by different actors. I mean, Hamlet is one thing in the hands of one person and somebody else in the hands of Richard Burton or... Um, and uh, so what the, the actor brings, uh, his own experience, of course, as a human being, and injects it into the particular character. I mean, um, 
I would I would venture to say that certain very famous characters in drama or plays or opera um, come across differently uh, depending on who's doing the part. Absolutely, and uh, what time frame the part is placed in, and so forth and so on. Wow, this was uh, this was a, a mover and a shaker. I really enjoyed chatting with you about this and. We have so many other things to talk about, so we will return with another great podcast with the one and only Larry Rutman. You may take a bow, sir. (laughs) This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Rutman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRutman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Rutman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life.